0: On today's episode, the leadership skills you need to become a leader worth following. And then, how to level up and grow in your role. From the Ramsey Network, I'm George Camel, and this is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where we help business leaders like you grow themselves, their teams, and their profits. Joining me today is Clay Scroggins, best-selling author and leadership speaker. Clay's going to share some ways that leadership has changed in recent years and what principles remain the same. Then we're going to get into the leadership skills he believes will make you a leader worth following. So let's jump right in. Here's our conversation. Clay, it's so great to have you on the podcast. How you been? I've, how have I been?
1: What a what a
0: it's huge a loaded question. question. I know. Loaded. I know.
1: Just sum up in one sentence what the last two years has been, of a global pandemic has been like. Yeah. But I'm doing great, honestly. Our kids are... Uh, healthy, which is a massive blessing. My wife and I have five kids. We live in Atlanta. My wife and I are doing great. I love her. Most days, I think she loves me, which is awesome. I resigned from my job six months ago, so a pretty significant move. That's I stepped big. out on my own. Yep. Yeah. Uh, released a book last month, doing a lot of speaking. Got to be here at the worldwide headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. That's right. You today. called it
0: the Taj Mahal of <laughs> office buildings, which I,
1: I think is apt. I mean, for those of you that haven't Anybody can come and just see it because you can just come and watch. the People do that all the time. If you're ever in greater Nashville area,
0: the Brentwood-Franklin
1: area, you got to stop by and just see it. There's the
0: pitch from Clay. And uh, our whole team got to hear from you this morning uh, with a powerful message. And Mm -hmm. we get to dive in to some of the concepts in your new book, The Aspiring Leader's Guide to the Future. Mm -hmm. What an epic title. So – You wrote this book, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge, a few years back, and it made its way around Ramsey. It went viral at Ramsey is the best way I can describe it. Well,
1: that is kind of you to say, and I hope that is actually true. Truth be told, though, the cover is so bright— if it's anywhere in a room, you're going to see it's it. Aggressively <laughs> it's aggressively yellow. It's aggressively That's yellow. the best way Honestly, to say it. Honestly, there was this publishing co- – card that is not a – a distribution company that does a lot of stuff in airports and, and grocery stores. This, I, I was talking about how bright it was, and this girl tells me – she was like – I work in graphics, and she showed me this little uh, card that they were using for some – they were giving to some suppliers. And she said, I actually had to turn the yellow down on your book wow. because it was too bright for this graphic we were using.
0: That's a, that's a good yeah. sign. It yeah, stands like, out in okay, the crowd. It stands out. So, since you wrote that book years ago, and you've got this new one out, what are some ways that leadership has changed since then?
1: Yeah, so that was 2017. 2019, I wrote a book called How to Lead in a World of Distraction, which is that released right before the pandemic hit, which, you know, obviously I would love to go back and rewrite that because little did I know, it felt like all the distractions of life were about to be turned down, at least for a couple of days, I mean, we all were like, all of a sudden like, okay, everybody work from home, you know? And then uh, we all found new ways of distracting ourselves, that's which right. is what the concept of that TikTok book was, about. was
0: released. There <laughs> we go. That's
1: right. Tiger King was a thing, right? And now it's all about Wordle. Um, speaking of evergreen content, that will certainly be. There we this go. Content. It'll
0: still be cool. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully a year hopefully. from now.
1: Then I, uh, I started thinking about this concept then. So I would say from 2020, That's when I really started asking the question, okay, clearly the world is changing. And if the world is changing, then certainly leadership is changing. And let me just stop and say, I believe in the definition of leadership that says we're all a leader, obviously. This is not to CEOs. This is not to team leaders. This is, hey, if you're awake today you have an opportunity to influence people. And if you do, and if you're interested in growing that, then I consider you an aspiring leader. So the book is really asking the question, yes, leadership is changing, but how? How is it changing? And some of the primary ways I see it changing, the amount of information that is now at our disposal, the amount of information that's being created, that's requiring some new attributes out of leaders. Humility has always been something that we admire in leaders, but there is a new kind of humility that says, hey, I am forever stuck in the, uh, I call it the noob state. Are you a video gamer?
0: Oh, yeah. So anyone. N E W B. -B,
1: N E W B. Yeah. Anyone. I'm not really a gamer, but I know the term. In the gaming world, if you're a rookie or if you're brand new, or if you're playing your game like you're a rookie, it's kind of a slight, it's a diss, it's a criticism.
0: Derogatory term that's
1: for right. amateurs. That's right, you knew. There we b- go, yeah. Well, what I've learned is because everything's being updated constantly, the technology that's going to impact the world most in five years hasn't been created yet or is in, still in the works. The technology that's affecting us today wasn't around five years ago. So because of how fast information is being created, how, how much the world is changing, the idea of being ever stuck in that noob state is so important for us to accept that. So the subtitle of the book is Nine Surprising Ways Leadership is Changing. The first one is you have to be willing to say, I just don't know, and not let that exclude you or not let that um, create this insecurity in you that says, oh, well, if I don't know, then I guess I can't lead. Because there was a day where knowledge accumulation led to leadership. You became an expert in the field because you knew a lot about it. Well, George, I got these kids at home that they read one wiki article, and all of a sudden they know more about They're a topic experts. than I know. Exactly, exactly. Teaching you
0: about dinosaurs, probably. <laughs>
1: exactly. And, I, and And I love that. I, I love their curiosity. I love that we have that kind of accessibility to knowledge. But what it's teaching me is— If I think that I've got to be the foremost expert on whatever topic or whatever area or field that I'm trying to lead out in, that in order to lead out, I have to be the knowledge expert. That's just – it's impossible these days. You can't be. We are all going to be forever stuck in a noob state, and we have to accept that and be willing to go, all right, well, that's different. So let me develop into the kind of leader that's willing to say I don't know. But let's figure that out together or let me go figure out the answer to that. I'm going to get back with you. But until then, here's what we're doing.
0: Yeah, that's, so that's that's the entrepreneurial mindset is problem solving. I'm going to figure it out. Nothing's going to stop me. But as you get further into business and you get older, change becomes scarier and technology, social media, things are moving Mm -hmm. at such a rapid pace, you just feel disconnected Mm -hmm. and out of control. You're like, I have no clue how to keep up with this. That's exactly right. Is there a way to keep up? What is the right approach to take?
1: Well, I don't think we should stop trying to keep up. So I do think, you know, my wife and I were on a walk last week, and this just cracked me up because we're on this, you know, like Chastain Park in Atlanta, big park. We're walking around the park, and we walk past these two ladies, and of course I'm judging their age, but I think they were about in their 60s. It kind of reminded me of my mom. I was just picturing my mom on this walk. And, you know, you you pass them, so you get, like, one sentence of their conversation. And I heard this lady, she's she's looking over at her friend, and she goes, so what I've heard is, is that these video reels are what you do to get more followers. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Good for you. Like, I was kind of proud of this mom. She I'm like, got it. Yes, that is exactly right because— I've had to learn that. I mean, I I didn't know what reels were on Instagram until somebody had to teach me. I had to say, you know, I'm in a meeting last week and somebody was like, well, you're just going to want to make make sure you put a link tree in your bio in Instagram. And I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry. Can we stop for one second? Can someone tell me what a link tree is? And then the dude that helps me with social media was in the meeting and he was like, hey, man, just click on your bot. You have one in there. And I was like, you already have one. I was like, "Okay." I I use that as an illustration Just say. You have to try. Yeah, sure, try. Like, be willing to. But don't be afraid to say, I I don't know the answer to that question. And, and you're right. It is about the expansion, evolution of technology. I mean, the, we've all had that experience of opening up an app, and you're like, where'd my menu go? Like, why did they—they've already updated. They changed it. Like, what happened, right? Yeah. It's just—
0: constant. The cheese has moved. The so, cheese
1: is constantly moving. Right. Like you're
0: saying, sometimes as a leader, you just got to go, I'm going to delegate this. And if you're in a place to do that, that's great. A lot of small business owners, they're not in a place to go hire seven people that's to do right. all the things that's they right. don't want to do or can't do, and they want to focus on what only they can do. That's right. So there's some great principles in there, but it does take a humility to go, I don't know, I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And over time, it gets better, and Dave Ramsey experienced that, and now he's got all this leadership in place, he's got developers that know words that he has, he has has no clue what they mean, mm. and so there's that trust that you can build over time to
2: delegate those things. That's right, that's
0: right.
2: Here's a math refresher. There are only 24 hours in a day, so you and your team need to streamline time-consuming tasks to focus on the activities
0: So what are the principles that have remained the same? Do you think there is this steady over 30 years? This is never going to change about leadership, and you've got to understand that.
1: Yeah, I'll give you one that has stayed the same despite um, how much the world has changed. The ability for a leader to navigate healthy conflict, that has always been true. I think it is even more true today. The need for it is greater today for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, we're all having more conflict than we've ever had before, right? I mean, the last two years, it's just been hard conversation after hard conversation. And and what's amazing, George, or now, I don't know if it's good or bad, I guess parts of it are good, and then some of it's a little dangerous, but it's one of those, it is what it is kind of things. Yesterday's taboo topics are becoming today's interview questions. Ooh, that's good. So there was a day where... You didn't talk about religion at work, right? You didn't talk about your personal life at work. Well, now, I mean, I've had people in interview questions say, hey, tell me what your view on sexual orientation is. What is your view on gender identity? Tell me more about what your organization did in the wake of George Floyd's murder. Wow. And I'm like, can you uh, just real quick, can you tell me your name again? Like what we just met.
0: Turned into interrogation real quick.
1: Yes. And I understand why employees want answers to those questions. And I'm not mad at them for that. I think it's great. I would love to know that as well. My point is that there was a day where we didn't talk about that at work. And now we're talking about that on a regular basis. Every organization is talking about some of the most complicated, complex issues in the world We're having to talk about those in bite-sized ways and in work relationships where we might not have a lot of security or we might not have a strong base of a relationship. And that's one reason why conflict is more important. Another reason is because we're not exactly getting better at conflict. I would say we're probably getting worse, right? I mean, helicopter— Is it it
0: scarier because if you respond the wrong way, there's more consequences? I mean, is that part of it? Of course. And—
1: And because I think our emotional intelligence is waning as a society, right? The more we, we all know this, but the more we stare at our screens, the less able we are to have hard, complicated, complex, high stakes, emotional conversations because we're used to retreating to our corner and then lobbing insults to the other
0: group of people or to the other person our critical thinking skills are our brains turning to mush and we have no way to, <laughs> to do this anymore right you said ah. it not i did but you're exactly right
1: yeah or i don't know i you know even with younger generations i think you know to your point of do we just not know how to do it anymore or have we never even learned how to do it right we have these you know helicopter parenting is a significant thing uh, jonathan Haidt's book the coddling of the american mind is a fascinating read but He's got so many stories of people that work at universities and HR executives who say, hey, we offered the 24-year-old the job, and the 24-year-old said, well, I, let me, can, would, you, could you, would you call my mom and just tell her the details of this? I mean, that's a thing. That's like a real thing. Wow. And so all that to say, conflict is more important today than it's ever been. And if you're going to be a leader in the future, if you are an aspiring leader, you have to grow in your ability to handle complicated, complex, high stakes emotional conversations in a productive way because it's going to be even more required in the future as we look toward the way the world is changing.
0: Yeah. It just reminds me of the importance of having your values in stone, written down. Everyone knows it. There's no confusion because it can deflate those and go, okay, well, we'll just filter it through our values. Yes, And that's what people are wanting to know, especially these younger generations. They're going, I don't just want to work somewhere for a paycheck. I want to work somewhere that aligns with my values. Yes, so I think that's where those questions are coming from. And leaders, you got to have an answer. And
1: how do my values make other people feel? The emotional intelligence to know when would I bring out my personal value? And when do I go, you know what, now's not the time. And If I bring it out, am I aware of how this might make the other person feel? I think that's really important too, because you're right. Um, knowing what I believe and where I am and what I think is true is certainly important. And it's, um, it can feel dangerous at times in today's. Uh, climate of employment.
0: Well, and it feels impossible to go, well, your values have to perfectly align with every single thing that I believe. And You're so right. That's, it's also an impossible task on the other side. So my it takes a level of maturity.
1: My own values hardly align with myself sometimes. <laughs> I mean, so you're right to think that we're going to find an organization that completely aligns or find people that, well, I got to agree with them 100% to be able to work with them. I I don't see that happening in the future. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one of the ways the world is changing. So conflict is one area where, you know, that's always been true. But I think it's even more true as we look toward the future. Um, I'll give you another one that I think is, there are parts of it that will always be true. But Jim Collins, good to great, I mean, the best. I mean, the it's goat. like the goat of leadership books. Yes. Every great, you know, every business leader has that book on their shelf. He says, uh, hey, it's, if, when you're starting out, it's all about the who and not the what. The what's important, you know, the mission, the vision, where we're going, how we're going to get there. But what's more important than the what is the who, who. And he says, you have to get the right people on the bus. That line is, I mean.
0: We use it all the time around All here. the time.
1: What do you do, though, if you're. Running a small business and you realize that you don't have the right people on the bus. And even more important than that, what do you do when you've adopted people or you've stepped into a role where you are managing people or working around people and you're not sure, are they the right person or are they not? And here's my contention. Obviously, I would never disagree with Dr. Jim Collins, but what I would say is I wonder is the word right changing? You know, we rise and fall based on our definitions. You know, when I first started out in the working world, my view of right, I have found this in myself, my view of right naturally meant same. Are they like me? We're all predisposed to placing more potential on someone who looks like us, comes from where we come from, is our same gender, has similar educational background than we have, has similar experience than we do. And I've found that in myself that it's really a form of self-love. It's a form of me saying, oh, well, if you do it the way I do it, or if you came from where I came from, or if you are, are the way I am, it makes me feel better about me. But obviously, as the world is growing more and more diverse, as the world is changing and morphing. I think we have to start asking the question, what does it mean to be right? And why is it important to get people that see the world differently around the table? I think we ought to think about our bus roster
0: a little different (laughs) than we once did. Yeah, that's some powerful questions (laughs) to think through. So the takeaway I'm getting is leadership is hard, and it may be getting a little harder (laughs) in the sense that there's a lot of things we've got to grapple with Mm -hmm. as as the times change. So what I want to leave with is this. How do we all become leaders worth following. Yeah. What are the skills? What are the character traits that we can start to step into, start to gain in order to become that leader worth following?
1: Here's the, um, the truth that will, I don't believe, ever change about what makes someone a person that we want to follow. And it's who are they ultimately for? Are they for themselves or are they for other people? And that is the heart and soul of what Jesus's message was. Hey, you know, he got down on his knees to wash his disciples' feet, you know, and he wasn't like, good grief, Peter, you need a pedicure, bro. Like, what's the deal? Like, new Birkenstocks, maybe at the very least, right? No, he was just like, hey, I'm here to help you. How can I help? How how can I help wash these feet? How can I help serve you? Um, How can I help challenge you? It doesn't mean that we're soft and that we always just get along. Sometimes love requires us to say something that might seem challenging, but can we do it in a way that says, I'm saying this because I believe in you? Uh, Daniel Coyle in Culture Code has this whole section about Greg Popovich, the coach of the San Antonio Spurs. He said the thing that made him so great or makes him so great, he's not even done yet, his former players said they never doubted that he was going to tell them where they fell short. He was always willing to do that, but he believed in them so deeply that they knew he believes I can get there. And so I'm going to continue to hustle and grind and try because he's in this for me. Mm-hmm. And I just think that is what all of us should continue to strive to be. And that's, that's the way leadership was in the past, but that's the way leadership still going to be in the future is that the greatest leaders of the future, the people that have the most influence in the future are going to be the ones where we are convinced they are not in this for themselves. They are here. They're showing up one of those phrases that everybody's saying today is I'm here for it. You know, I'm here for it. You know, these chips and queso, I'm here for it. Right. Well, they know, Hey, I'm here. I am here not for me, not to just help my career, help my business, but I am here for you. I'm here to help you. That has always been, and I don't think that's ever going to change, but the aspiring leader of the future has got to continue to grow and develop into that. Mm.
0: It's that servant leadership. It's a redundant saying. We can take the word servant out if we assume that leaders exist to serve. And the best leaders do that really well. And Clay, you are one of those people. And I'm super excited about this book. So I want everyone to unpack all nine principles in here because I think it can change the game as we step into the future that we're already in. (laughs) So we can continue to have impact on our teams, our communities, our families that that we need to have as leaders and as business owners. Love it. Thanks Thanks, so much. Yeah, thank you. Always a great conversation with our friend, Clay Scroggins. Thank you so much, Clay. If you want to get a copy of his new book, The Aspiring Leader's Guide to the Future, Nine Surprising Ways Leadership is Changing, just use the link in the show notes. Now, Clay shared some of the leadership skills that are needed to become a leader worth following. But how do you develop those skills to level up in your leadership? We'll have a conversation about that right after this.
3: This episode is brought to you by Trainual. Visit trainual.com/ slash entree today for a demo and get 15% off your first year with code ENTRE15. That's 15% off at T-R-A-I-N-U-A-L dot com slash entree with code E-N-T-R-E-1-5.
0: All right, coming up, I talk with Katie Crenshaw, Senior Vice President of Ramsey Personalities here at Ramsey Solutions. We're going to talk about the leadership skills that were necessary for her to become successful and move up in leadership at Ramsey. Here's our conversation. Katie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you?
4: I'm good. Thanks for having me, George.
0: So we work on the same team, and you're one of my leaders, and it's an honor, by the way. But you...
4: The honor is all mine. It
0: didn't (laughs) start that way, Katie. You started at an entry-level position how many years ago?
4: 14 and a half.
0: How yes. Time Flies. Yes. And you've moved up in leadership roles, and I've got to watch some of that growth over my nine years here. Yeah. What has that journey been like for you?
4: Long. It's been long, George. <laughs> but uh, I started here at 23 years old, um, right out of college, and um, which was about 14 and a half years ago, and I started as an assistant on our marketing team. And the company was about 140 people, which now you look and we're over 1,100 people. And so I've seen a ton of growth. But I stayed in the assistant role for a couple years, And my leader at the time, who's been on this podcast a couple of times, Jen Sievertson, uh, she asked me to come into her office and she said, hey, I want to talk to you about something. And I was like, okay. And she was like, I really think you might do well in this other position where we need somebody. And um, I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure I really want to do that. And she just sort of gently kept nudging me and pushing me. And we still joke about it to this day because I still work pretty closely with her in my role. And she says that she saw a lot of potential in me. And I always say like, it's okay, Jen, I can say that like I was a terrible assistant and you needed to find another place for me. Um, But she still holds firm to that. Uh, So I did, I moved into that role, which was in project management. And I worked in project management for about three years here at the company. And I was having another conversation with a leader and he was asking, you know, the question leaders ask their team members all the time. Where do you see yourself going? Like, what's your vision for your role and for your career? And I said what any like 26, 27-year-old would be like, you know, I want to grow. And I was like, but I do know one thing, like I do not want to be a leader. And that's just kind of where we left it. And two or three months later, I was back in his office and he said, okay, I need you to start leading. And so I just kind of looked at him and was like, I'm sorry, I thought we had like an agreement here where I said I did not want to do that. And it was just another example of a leader seeing something in me and believing something I didn't believe about myself yet. And... I'm a one on the Enneagram. And so I'm totally motivated by not failing. And in my mind, like stepping into leadership and stepping out of what I was comfortable in was a possibility for failure. But he sort of gently nudged me into that. And I started leading um, and led within project management for about the next five years. So I was getting close to being at the company for about 10 years and was getting to work on some personality initiatives and doing project management with those teams and with those personalities. And was just realizing how much I connect to what the personalities are doing um, and what they're taking out into the world, even more so than what I was doing in project management, which had always been an amazing place and a safe place for me. And so this role uh, opened up for a brand leader, which was a new role within the company. And I was able to step in that. And so I've been brand leading for Rachel Cruz for the last about three and a half, four years. And in the last couple of years, I've gotten an opportunity to take on some leadership with other brand leaders. Um, and I love just leading in such a unique part of our business. There's not really anything else like leading in the personalities area. So Yeah, that's yeah.
0: amazing. I love your story. And there's so many lessons that we could unpack from that. But a leader seeing potential <laughs> totally. in you. A good leader asks you, hey, what is your vision? What like really lights you up? And then notices that, finds opportunity for that and nudges you, as you said, into that. And so that's a great example of what it looks like to level up. And the people who are itching and raising their hand constantly, I need to be in leadership. It's usually a sign they're not ready for leadership versus your story, which is the reluctant leader.
4: Yeah, I was totally a reluctant leader. Um, It's not lost on me, the part that other people played in my journey here. And I'm super grateful for all those people. All of my leaders have always been some of my biggest cheerleaders. And like I said earlier, they saw things in me that I couldn't see in myself yet and believe things about me that I couldn't believe about myself yet. And um, that's something that I've tried to carry forward in working with my teams as well.
0: So on top of uh, your roles, yeah. many multiple, I guess now, <laughs> uh, you also lead what's known as Ramsey Solutions Leadership or RSL for short. What yeah. is that and how did it form?
4: So I'm just one part of leading that. We have a whole committee um, that works on that. And I don't want to shock you with the creativity, but it's called Leadership Development Committee, and it's responsible for developing all of our leaders in the company. It's
0: known as LDC LDC, around the building. LDC
4: around the building, for short. Um, We love an acronym um, all day long. But uh, So I'm a part of that committee, and as part of that, I work with a few different groups, but it has multiple levels to it. And we put a lot of intentionality into growing and having our leaders uh, poured into by other leaders and them spending time together. And so if I kind of go from where you could be, if you're not a leader yet, there's an aspect of that with an RSL all the way up to the operating board. And so that earliest level is open to anybody in the company. And it, we call it Entree University, and it's basically like Clay said earlier in the podcast, an aspiring leader. We're all leaders, right? But if you're an aspiring leader, you better find yourself at that monthly meeting at 7 a.m. in the morning. And it's where we're just teaching like how we run this business and what are the principles we make decisions on. And then there's a kind of a second level of RSL, which we really want you to be leading people or leading products or projects that are of some kind of scale. And you get nominated into that um, by your leader. And that is also a monthly meeting and that moves more from just understanding how we do things to really understanding the tactics you're responsible for day-to-day, like in the trenches of leadership. And then we actually have a couple other levels that um, meet monthly in mastermind groups. So that's some of our top leaders from all our like disciplines and business units across the company. And again, they meet monthly in those masterminds and that's moving more from tactics to like accountability and that ongoing accountability with other leaders. And obviously that's highly relational. And we do all of this and we invest a lot of hours every month into all of those meetings and into those plans and those things. And again, we have a whole committee that meets weekly just to talk about how we're developing our leaders across the company.
0: That's amazing. And it wasn't always this way. We've gotten a lot better over time about creating these kind of growth tracks for our team because as a growth company, people come here and they want to grow in their role. They want to step into leadership roles. So how do people do that well? I'm sure you've seen it modeled poorly and modeled really well. If someone's listening and they're going, Katie, I'm not where I want to be. I want to level up. I want to step into this next thing. How do I do that tactfully?
4: Yeah, I think a couple of things that have helped me in doing that As I've grown in leadership and as I've moved roles in the company, probably two or three things I would call out. We have a a leadership model that we use, and we use that a lot in all of the RSL and LDC things we do. We use it for growth conversations, to manage expectations, help leaders self-identify their strengths and their weaknesses. And it's vision, results, relationship, and then there's ongoing personal transformation that kind of is the engine that keeps all of that running, right? And so if I look at that for myself and where I've seen myself be able to use those things well, I'm relationships, results, and vision. Those are kind of mine in that order. And if I pull out a couple, self-awareness has been huge for me. It's not constantly looking inward and being like, what's going on with me? That's not what that means. It's my ability to kind of be aware of the wake I'm leaving. And so as I'm going in and out of meetings or in and out of one-on-ones, being able to read a room, read people's body language and say, what effect am I having on the people around me? And being aware of it is one thing, but being able to go and follow up on it is another thing. So being willing to say like, hey, when I said this thing, I saw you react this way. Um, and sometimes it may have nothing to do with you. It may be something that's going on with them. But being willing to go have those conversations has kind of constantly kept me grounded. And then I think keeps me humble, which is just another huge part of being a leader. Clay said this earlier, but it's also just a huge one. Healthy conflict, like the ability to do that. I think a lot of times we can blow it up into this huge thing. And it was one of the reasons I thought I didn't want to be a leader because I was like, I'm not good at doing conflict. And it looks like it's just a whole lot of conflict all the time. And so that was one of the reasons I was kind of shying away from moving into to leadership. But once I realized that I'm a highly relational person, I, I realized how leaning into healthy conflict could come for me. And it's actually something now, like I come to the table with a lot of energy for, and it's not like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I'm so excited. Let's I get to do fight. healthy conflict or I get to do conflict with someone today. But I do come to the table with energy because I feel like it's a thing that helps us move forward um, when we're not having healthy conflict or we're not leaning into that. I feel like we find ourselves stuck in these cycles of having the same conversations over and over again or expecting people to change, but we haven't told them how they need to change. And so being able to lean in and have a hard conversation with somebody just creates forward movement. And I'm all about forward movement because my second one is in results. And I think just the ability to like get stuff done is huge. If you give me something, and this has kind of been true of my whole career, uh, I will run it to ground and I will make sure it happens. And what I've transitioned to in the last few years is being able to delegate that and bring people along in that and just coach people. But those are probably the three that I see have helped me win as I've moved through and that I try to coach um, and other people that I'm working with as I well. I
0: love that. And you've got, you know, some one of your best skills and traits is that you're so reliable. You know, if someone gives you a project they're like Katie's got it, Yeah, I feel great about this. There's such trust there. Yeah, You're great at communication. There's a lot of soft skills and hard skills, as you mentioned, that come along with growing mm-hmm. leadership. And those are things you've always got to be working on and no always. one's ever done. Right. That's the fun part. Well,
4: and that's what we love to help provide with LDC and RSL, like just those constant opportunities for the conversation to be ongoing, um, where nobody ever feels like they're fully responsible for that, that there's always people they can bring into that conversation to help them and mentor them.
0: And now it's not just someone's opinion of how you're doing as a leader. Now we have the measuring stick with this leadership model with yes. vision, results, and relationships, which is super helpful to go, yeah, I got to work in this area. Yeah. I can see how that may be the case. Yeah. And totally. a good leader has that awareness and humility. hmm
4: There's something that uh, a quote Andy Stanley has said that I heard it years ago and it stuck with me kind of just talking about strengths and weaknesses and how you lean into both. And he says, your fully exploited strengths are a far greater value to your organization than your marginally improved weaknesses. And just that ability to know what you're really good at. Um, and lean into that versus spending all your time trying to figure out how to get better at things you're probably never going to get better at. And it's not a license to say, like, I don't have to do anything I'm not good at or I don't have to do anything I don't like or my weakness is I'm a jerk. Like, being a jerk is not a weakness. It's a character flaw. And like, that's not an excuse to not do it. That
0: felt like a personal attack, Katie.
4: <laughs> Never, George. Uh, but I mean, here's an example of using your strengths and leaning on other people's, right? So I work with a great group of guys who are also brand leaders. And one of my colleagues has an amazing eye for like design and how it connects to branding. And he looks at something and sees like what it could be, what it should be, what it's not. And I look at it and see like pictures and words. And so we just see things very differently. Versus me taking away from all my strengths of the things that I bring to the table that only I can. I know that anytime something like that comes up, I can lean on him and say, like, what do you think about this? Hey, will you run with this and kind of run with this for all of us? Uh, so just being able to know not only what you're good at, um, but also what those around you are good at. And I think that's something else that all the things that we provide within RSL are really good at helping facilitate that, too.
0: Yeah. Well, Katie, I've loved watching you grow in leadership. I appreciate leaders like you uh, who I get to serve underneath and have humility, character, integrity. They're trustworthy. They're reliable. uh, They're relational. And I appreciate you uh, unleashing some wisdom on our listeners today. Thanks, George.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much, Katie. Grateful to have you as one of my leaders. As she just talked about, we use a three-part model to assess our leaders, and we call it the Ramsey Solutions Leadership Model. Genius, I know. And our team created a free guide for you that you can use as an assessment. This will help you evaluate your own leadership and determine which area you need to work on the most, vision, relationships, or results. If you want to download it, just click the link in the show notes. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the show. If you did, give us a five-star rating and write us a review. We appreciate your feedback. And the simplest way to help us grow the show is to send this episode to a friend. Be sure to follow us at Entree Leadership wherever you hang out on social media. This episode was produced by Tim Hull, edited by Jacob Harrison, and mixed and mastered by Will Rutter. I'm your host, George Camel, and on behalf of the entire Entree Leadership team, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep learning and keep leading. If you enjoy this podcast, you should check out other great podcasts from the Ramsey Network, like Ramsey Everyday Millionaires.
2: Ordinary people built extraordinary wealth, and you can too. On Everyday Millionaires, you'll learn how millionaires live on less than they make, avoid debt, invest, and are disciplined and responsible. Listen to Everyday Millionaires wherever you listen to podcasts.